0: We are continuing today as we go through the virtue of mercy and forgiveness, keys to healing a broken heart. And today I will be reading from page 76 to 89. Virtue in relation to habitus. An important concept for Aquinas is that virtues are not simply habits formed through repeated action. Rather, they include a personal capacity for action that leads to progress and perfection. Thus, virtue is possessed in such a way that it is habitual, but not simply a habit. Developing a habitus leads to obtaining a capacity for excellence and human flourishing, which includes both the choices you make the performance of those choices. Aquinas dedicates five questions to examining the nature of Habitus. While the word is no longer used in English, its meaning is important to Aquinas' concept of virtue. Just as someone who is a concert pianist does not simply develop the habit of playing piano, Habitus more accurately describes the act of being able to play a complex piece without using written notes, such that after thousands of hours and years of practice, the music seems to simply flow out of the person. In a related way, Robert Enright described the moral virtue of forgiveness as forgiveness is more than a skill. Quote, it is an attitude of goodwill and more of moral virtue that develops. It even becomes part of your identity, part of who you are, as you begin to incorporate it into your life. Forgiveness has a way of transforming your character and relationships as you understand and practice it. Close quote. From a Thomistic understanding, Enright's view of the highest form of the moral virtue of forgiveness is closely re- Connected to Aquinas' view of a habitus, which is a virtuous way of acting that has become part of our very being and identity. In summary, quote, virtue is that which makes the one who has it good and the work which he does good, close quote. And habitus is, quote, a personal capacity for action, the fruit of a series of fine actions and a power for progress, and perfection, which helps us to fully engage and act in a good, right, and reasonable way. It is also true that virtue applies both to our exterior actions, which includes our purpose, circumstance, and the results sought, and our interior actions, which includes the capacity to reflect on ourselves, personal dispositions, desires, intentions, and feelings. Therefore, there are two components to every moral act, an interior action and an exterior action. Virtue, in effect, is the principle that helps guide your interior actions, while law helps guide your exterior actions. Quote, one of the tasks of virtue is precisely to affect coordination between interior and external act, between our disposition to act and its realization, and actions done and done well. Close quote. This essentially leads to developing a habitus, or a capacity for excellence, because the goal is for our exterior and interior action to be consistent. Therefore, doing the right thing no longer becomes so much a choice that you struggle to make, but simply corresponds with who you are. While a vicious person is someone who consistently acts with evil intent, a virtuous person is someone who consistently acts with the good in mind, even when pursuing the good involves sacrifice. The highest level of healing is connected to. Habitus, as you come to consistently think, feel, desire, intend, and act out of your healing instead of out of your brokenness. Acquired and Infused Virtues Acquired virtues are attained by human effort. They constitute our natural perfection and are realized through training and disciplined action. The cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance are considered acquired virtues. As Michael Sherwin described, doing deeds of temperance, courage, and justice, and making the practical judgments that these actions require, we acquire the four principal virtues of the moral life on the natural level. These virtues dispose us to act in accord with natural reason, flourishing in the common good of the temporal community. Simply put well, close quote. Simply put, as we engage in repeated good actions, this leads to the development of good dispositions, which are equivalent to acquired virtues. According to Aquinas, quote, acquired virtue is not one of the greatest goods, absolutely speaking, but one of the greatest in the class of human goods. On the other hand, infused virtue is one of the greatest goods, absolutely speaking, because through it we are directed to the highest good, which is God. Close quote. Ultimately, infused virtues build upon acquired virtues, just as grace. Builds upon nature. What makes infused virtues different are that they have a supernatural source in God, and they lead us to God. Also, infused virtues are the only virtues that are truly complete, as Aquinas explained. It is clear from what has been said that only the infused virtues are perfect virtues and are to be called virtues unqualifiedly, for they order you to your ultimate end absolutely. The other virtues, the acquired ones, are virtues in the restricted sense. Virtue is related to the good. There are two goods for human beings. The first corresponds to our nature. The second surpasses the capacity of our nature. Close quote. And so there is a need for virtue to be infused directly by God. On the other hand, acquired virtue disposes you to act in accord with your human nature. Quote, Infused virtues dispose man in a higher manner and toward a higher end, and consequently in relation to some higher nature, i.e. in relation to a participation in the divine nature. Close quote. What makes infused virtues different is they are supernatural or the result of a grace or gift from God. Thomas O'Meara explained, quote, infused virtues differ from natural modes of virtue not because they are connected vaguely to charity or because they are mentioned in the Bible, but because they flow from grace. That extrinsic and then intrinsic principle Bringing something of the life of the Trinity. In its essence, grace is presupposed to the infused virtues as their principle and root. Likewise, grace is called the form of infused virtue. According to Omera, Aquinas's theology of grace and virtues must be understood within the entire sweep of the mission of the Trinity, the incarnate word in Jesus' life, the ongoing incarnation of Christian sacraments, and life leading to an eschatological flowering of the life principle of grace. Close quote. The Quintus described acquired virtues as connected to having the ability to walk in the natural light of reason, while infused virtue is connected to walking in the light of grace, a supernatural source in the benevolent graciousness of God. One of the mistakes that can be made in a counseling or spiritual healing setting is to discount the necessity for those we are working with to grow in acquired virtues, i.e. patience, perseverance, self-control, justice, prudence, courage, etc., as well as the importance of helping them become more open to receiving infused virtues, i.e. faith, hope, and love. Acquired virtue becomes a base point upon which further and deeper healing can be built. Without acquired virtue, the likelihood of relapse, slow growth, or taking steps forward and then regressing, increases. Likewise, for Christians and Catholics, there is no substitute for spiritual growth and receiving infused virtues. It is a mistake to think that counseling alone, or spiritual healing alone, can lead to the kind of sustained and lasting healing of the whole person. In my own experience, I have seen this play out in two ways. First, I have seen individuals who were not able to grow and acquired virtue end up regressing back to their old ways, i.e. drinking alcohol and promiscuity, remaining in unhealthy relationships, etc. For these individuals, you could say that their poor choices dictated the progress of their healing or lack of. While the infused virtues, i.e. faith, hope, and love, may have been available to them, They did not place themselves in a position to receive them. On the other hand, I have seen others show great courage by separating from an abusive spouse, persevere with keeping a strong boundary from toxic parents, or show self-control by getting pornography out of their lives. For these individuals, the infused virtues were received, and they were able to strengthen the acquired virtues that they were already practicing. Mercy, according to Aquinas, is an acquired and moral virtue. To understand it more fully, it must be placed within the context of Aquinas's broader understanding of and approach to virtue. Before looking at moral virtue more specifically, both the theological and cardinal virtues will be analyzed and referenced to the moral virtue of mercy. Theological virtues, faith, hope, charity. The theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity are fundamentally different than all other virtues for Aquinas because, one, they have God as their object, two, they are infused into the soul by God alone, and three, they are made known. Through divine revelation or sacred scripture the theological virtues help human beings reach their supernatural end with faith which helps the intellect to grasp divine light hope which orders the will to its supernatural end and charity which directs the will to spiritual union with god According to Aquinas, there are seven aspects of faith, including the object, virtue, cause and effects of faith, the interior and exterior act of faith, and those who have faith. The object of faith is the first truth, who is God himself. Faith perfects the intellect regarding its true good. Faith can involve either an intellectual assent to something, seen and taken on faith simultaneously, or this ascent can happen through evidence of signs, miracles, or other reasoned argument. Faith implies specific beliefs, which include material objects of faith, i.e., God sent his Son to redeem the world, and formal objects of faith, i.e., the Holy Spirit speaks through the magisterium. Aquinas believed that coming to faith could happen through, one, exterior evidence, such as miracles, two, interiorly, through rational persuasion, or three, interiorly, through a gift of God's grace. John Paul II connected faith to mercy, quote, the church must bear witness to the mercy of God revealed in Christ in the whole of his mission as Messiah, professing it in the first place as a salvific salvific truth of faith and as necessary for a life in harmony with faith, and then seeking to introduce it and make it incarnate in the lives both of her faithful and, as far as possible, In the lives of all people of goodwill. According to John Paul II, having faith in the mercy of God is a material object of faith. Thus, bearing witness to it, i.e., giving our assent to it, is the first step toward making it incarnate in your life. Doing so would also necessitate allowing God's mercy to be received into your soul as well as extending mercy to others. This kind of faith is the kind that the letter of St. James, chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, says cannot exist without action and good works. In the Summa Theologiae, the object of the virtue of hope is an attainable future good, e.g., the, the final cause, which is attainable through your own efforts. Or through the help of another person. Therefore, you can hope to attain the ultimate good, such as eternal beatitude, which is God Himself, the final cause. Our greatest hope is to receive eternal life and enjoy beatitude in God Himself. Hope is a theological virtue that acts upon the will and has God as its principal object. According to Enright, one of the potential goods being pursued when you choose to forgive someone else is the possibility of reconciliation. He described this as a specific hope a person has. Quote, forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, understood as a moral exchange between or among equals, offers some the hope of reconciliation. And such reconciliation is not the domain of the naive or the weak, but of the patient and courageous, who are willing to work toward healthy change. Close quote. In this sense, practicing forgiveness includes both the hope of attaining the good of reconciliation and practicing the virtue of fortitude or courage in order to endure patiently until the reconciliation that is hoped for is attained. For Aquinas, the virtue of charity includes the love that helps facilitate a true and mutual friendship between two people or friendship with God. The source of charity is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which moves the will to acts of love. Charity is a virtue that orders you toward union with God himself, who is the source of all happiness and the principal object of charity. Charity is also the end of all the virtues because it directs each of them to their own ends. Charity calls you to love your neighbor and to love sinners, even your enemies. According to Pinker's, charity is not a superficial kind of love. Charity, or agape, is new and unique, a love that surpasses all human sentiments. It sources God. It is the love of the Father manifested in the gift of the Son and communicated by the Holy Spirit. Close quote. Charity is love, but it is much deeper, wider, and more profound than the contemporary or common use of the word love. When Robert N. writes The Forgiving Life. He describes love as something that needs to continue to be re- replenished. He uses the analogy of a pond being replenished continually by a stream. When you are hurt, the temptation is to withdraw your love from that person and not allow yourself to love or be loved. Using this analogy, forgiveness is like a stream of agape love that is flowing into and out of the heart. This stream of loving forgiveness helps to replenish the heart and helps us love the person who has treated us unjustly. As such, forgiveness is a form of charity. It is unconditional and unmerited charity, and it finds its source in the unconditional and unmerited merciful love that God shows to every human being. There are certain effects or fruits that are produced from charity According to Aiden Nichols, there are at least four effects. Quote, For Thomas, such love generates four effects. One, joy, because of the lover's awareness of the unchangeableness of God's goodness. Two, peace, because the concord of those united in charity harmon- harmonies. Three, friendship. Which as charity loves others as friends for the sake of the primordial friend, God, we grieve for their misfortune as though they were our own and for beneficence. Since as friendship always entails willing the friends good, the action that flows, the actions that flow from charity will include deeds of goodness. Close quote. And so there is a specific connection between charity, joy, peace, friendship, and beneficence. Charity, in its highest form, is directed toward God. According to St. Augustine, it is connected to all the virtues, particularly on the cardinal virtues. Quote Temperance is love, giving itself entirely to that which is loved. Fortitude is love. Readily bearing all things for the sake of the loved object. Justice is love, serving only the loved object and therefore ruling rightly. Prudence is love, distinguishing with sagacity between what hinders it and what helps it. The object of this love is not anything but only God, the chief good, the highest wisdom, the perfect harmony. So we may express the definition thus, that temperance is love, keeping itself entire and incorrupt for God. Fortitude is love, bearing everything readily for the sake of God. Justice is love, serving God only, and therefore ruling well all else, as subject to man. Prudence is love, making a right distinction between what helps it toward God and what might hinder it, close quote. The theological virtues are directly connected to and build upon the cardinal virtues, which points to the benefit of cultivating them for those seeking psychological growth or spiritual healing. Each of the theological virtues also has a direct connection to the healing process. For example, faith allows you to believe, that God can heal you, that God wants to heal you, and that God will heal you as you continue to put your trust in Him. Hope allows you to continue to persevere when the healing process is taking longer or you are not seeing the results as quickly as you want. Charity allows you to continue to have a heartfelt connection to God throughout the healing process. Similarly, these theological virtues also apply to the counselor or spiritual healer in other words the same faith hope or charity that the person seeking healing needs to cultivate can also be cultivated by the counselor or spiritual healer for instance when the person seeking healing has lost hope the virtue of hope that is dwelling within us as counselors and spiritual healers can help, support, and encourage them as they struggle to hope. The person may be in a place of hopelessness, and whether I, as the counselor of spiritual healing, have hope will make a big difference. Cardinal Virtues Prudence, Justice, Temperance, Fortitude Traditionally, there are four cardinal virtues examined in the Summa Theologiae. Temperance, fortitude, justice, and prudence. The distinction of cardinal refers to the role these virtues play in relationship to all the other virtues. The role of each is pivotal and principal, and all the virtues can be grouped around these four. Thus, the virtues are interconnected and interrelated to each other. Even though the virtues are different, they are united to each other. Related to this, We call a virtue cardinal since it supports the other virtues the way a hinge supports a door. Aquinas also believed that, quote, a cardinal virtue concerns what is most significant in that matter. And in contrast, those virtues that concern other things related to that matter are called secondary or connected virtues, close quote. Aquinas distinguished the four virtues in the following way Prudence is in reason, justice in the will, courage in the irascible appetite, and temperance in the concupiscible. Generally speaking, cardinal virtues require rectitude or morally correct behavior or thinking. Of appetite what you desire for our purpose we will look at how the cardinal virtues are related to the moral virtues of mercy and forgiveness temperance or self-control according to Aquinas is the virtue that helps to repress a passion that is compelling you towards something that is contrary to reason temperance is both the general virtue i.e. it restrains or represses passion, and a specific virtue, i.e. it restrains the appetite in specific situations toward reasoned moderation. Furthermore, temperance is a means for moderating the pleasures of the body and the soul. It guides desire through self-control and choosing between extremes as you choose the good in all situations. According to John Paul II, mercy is, quote, an indispensable element for shaping mutual relationships between people, and it is an expression of merciful love, close quote, towards someone else. When that mercy is given through forgiving another person, the virtue of temperance helps you to control your passions and emotions for the greater good of forgiving the other person and make a positive step toward the healing of the relationship according to in this involves choosing to no longer be controlled by angry feelings toward this person close quote without temperance it would be easy to give in to anger resentment bitterness shame, self-pity, or fear, instead of pursuing the greater good of reconciliation. Thus, temperance allows you to control your overwhelming emotions to exercise the virtue of mercy and show compassion, while recognizing that the person who has harmed you is trapped in his own sin and selfishness. Temperance can also help you during the healing process. For example, temperance Can help you stay emotionally balanced as you look at the different, difficult, or traumatic situation that led to the brokenness with perspective and clarity, including having the capacity to calmly assess the role you might have played in the situation without assigning an exaggerated, disproportionate, or irrational role to the one who hurt you. Fortitude, or courage, is a virtue that strengthens the mind during a difficult situation. Fortitude is both a general virtue, persevering in pursuit of a difficult good and enduring evil, and a specific virtue, facing and overcoming grave danger in pursuit of the good. The end of fortitude includes strengthening the irascible power to resist evil and pursue the good. For Aristotle, fortitude is found in the mean between fear and rashness. According to John Paul II, extending forgiveness to someone else means making present a love which is more powerful than sin. Fortitude helps you choose to love and forgive, even when the evil done against you was great. This can be a great challenge for many, not only when you choose to break the cycle of anger and revenge, but also to reconcile and restore the relationship. Such a decision involves the strength that comes through the virtue of fortitude. Furthermore, fortitude or courage allows you to persevere through the pain, hurt, confusion, doubt, and difficulties, especially during the healing process. Courage isn't just a virtue of For times of war or deeds of heroic acts, the healing process involves many battles. For this reason, the virtue of courage can help sustain you to not give up, especially when you are not seeing the kind of progress that you want to see. Courage is also the shield that protects you against despair, depression, and hopelessness. It is the virtue. That allows you to get up in the morning and try again. The virtue of prudence or wisdom applies right reason to what can be done. Aristotle described this as quote, a state of grasping the truth, involving reason, concerned with action about things that are good or bad for a human being. Close quote. Prudence is both a general virtue applying universal principles to practical matters and a specific virtue right reason applied to a specific action aquinas taught that perfect prudence counsels makes correct judgments and commands in accord with the good end of your whole life connected to the moral life prudence guides your conscience and determines and directs your conduct in accord with the truth and the ultimate good. John Paul II taught that one of the most important reasons for being merciful to another person is that it helps restore the essential value of the person. The virtue of prudence allows you to see this higher good and chooses to pursue it. For in right, even those who have hurt you are worthy of respect and love, and they are special, unique, and irreplaceable. Therefore, forgiving them can help them to recover their dignity and sense of worth. Prudence allows us to see the inherent dignity within a person, and fortitude helps us to act by making a conscious choice to forgive and restore what was lost. The virtue of prudence is essential in the healing process because it helps you know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Whether it is confronting a person, being honest with yourself, leaving a situation, or staying in a situation, the virtue of prudence can help guide you and temper your stronger emotions. Instead of following your emotions, for example, you can choose to take the route that is prudent. Wise and well thought out. Prudence can also help you see beyond the superficial to what is really happening at a deeper level. Having this kind of insight will greatly affect the choices you make and the path that you follow as you take steps toward healing. The virtue of justice involves rendering to each person his rights. Thus, if you are a just person, then you respect the rights of others. You're choosing to treat each person equally and fairly. Justice is both a general virtue, acting in accord with the common good, and a specific virtue, either between two individuals, commutative, or between a community and an individual, distributive. Aristotle described justice as, quote, the state that makes us do justice. And wish what is just. Therefore, the virtue of justice involves ensuring both the common and individual good. Justice has its source in one, God as creator and governor, who is the one true source, two, in the human heart, actions and intentions, and three, in laws, rights, and rulers who protect the common good. For John Paul II, mercy is the most profound source of justice because it does not simply restore goods that have been lost, but restores a person to himself. For this reason, mercy, quote, has the power to confer on justice a new content which is expressed most simply and fully in forgiveness. Prudence sees the need to restore another's dignity through forgiving him. Justice in the form of mercy sees that a person has a right to that dignity no matter what he has done. Enright proposed that, quote, the key to genuine acts of reparation is the hurtful one's intent to aid the recovery of the one hurt. Close quote. Justice is an important virtue to cultivate as you go on a healing journey because it can help you recognize and admit your own faults instead of blaming it all on someone else. Similarly, it can also help you to not blame everything on yourself. Acknowledge the part that others may have played in, your, in, in the brokenness you are experiencing And help you extend mercy and forgiveness to others just as God has extended mercy and forgiveness to you. And so we conclude in prayer, asking that God would help us to practice the cardinal virtues and the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and prudence justice, fortitude, and temperance. Pray that as we practice these virtues, and they would become part of us and we would be able to, to live out of them. Um, we pray for the grace to do this. And we pray for the strength, um, the courage to, to persevere. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.